0: Verses this morning is taken from Romans chapter 14 reading verses 1 through 12 Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters One man's faith allow him to eat everything but another man's faith whose fate is another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables THE MAN WHO EATS EVERYTHING MUST NOT LOOK DOWN ON HIM WHO DOES NOT, AND THE MAN WHO DOES NOT EAT EVERYTHING MUST NOT CONDEMN THE MAN WHO DOES, FOR GOD HAS ACCEPTED HIM. WHO ARE YOU TO JUDGE SOMEONE ELSE'S SERVANT? TO HIS OWN MASTER HE STANDS OR FALLS, AND HE WILL STAND, FOR THE LORD IS ABLE TO MAKE HIM STAND. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should fully convince in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstain does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. The word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Del. I see that we have many on holidays, and that's a good thing. I see that some have returned, and that's a good thing. So we want to welcome those who might be visiting with us who are on holidays, or you're here for the first time, and you're just kind of getting to know us, welcome. Glad to have you with us, and trust that you will find it an enjoyable experience. I'm going to hang my hat there. I want to share with you that this week has been been a good week for me, a busy one, but an enjoyable week, as uh, I have been allowed, under God's mercy, to do a number of pastoral things that are probably the things I enjoy doing most, and that's visiting and being with people. But I want to expand this morning from where we left off last week as a second part of that series when we talked about accepting one another as Christ— has accepted us. In many ways, I want us to return, if we can, for those who remember, back to my first tenure as your interim pastor a couple of years ago. And if we recall at that time, it was my my intention and, and, and my passion that God had laid on my heart that we become what kind of church? Can anybody remember the bracelet? B-T-V-J, be the visible Jesus. And I really believe that that's where God wants our church, that's where he wants all churches, that we would become the visible Jesus. I've entitled my message today, Hey, a Christian can't do that. I heard about a guy who crossed the street in front of his house to go to the mailbox and get the mail. And after he got to the mail, he was walking back across the street. A car came bearing down on him, so he sort of darted back towards the mailbox. The car continued again to dart in his direction, so he changed direction, and the car darted back against him again. The car swerved and headed towards him. He headed back towards the mailbox, and sure enough, the car continued to zero in on him. Finally, he stopped in the middle of the road. The car screeched on its brakes and stopped. The guy walked around and the driver's window came down and there was a squirrel behind the driver's seat. And he said, I just want you to know how it feels. Some of you will get it, some of you won't. Depends on whether you're squirrel chasers. But I say to you this morning, my beloved church, Whether you dart to the left or to the right, I think the Holy Spirit of God is trying to and will eventually run you down. This is one of those messages that may make some of you uncomfortable. And some of you are perhaps even going to be liberated. You know, Jesus said the truth will set you free, but often and sometimes that truth can make us mad. This can be a liberating moment, or this can be one that makes you mad enough to want to maybe go out and slash my tires. I don't really believe that. But it's where I've kind of been this week, and some of it is going to age me. Because I'm not current, because I don't have my children at home anymore, I'm not as current as I used to be about certain things. But let me start with this. I was going through my wife's earring drawer the other day to to pick out an earring that she wanted me to have, and I thought, it's probably perhaps time that I got one. I I don't know what ear to put it in because I'm kind of confused, guys, what that one is, but I think I might go get my ear pierced. How many of you would think that's a good idea? How many would say, "Uh uh-uh, come on now, be honest? That's okay. I also went the other day to get a package of cigarettes for my foster daughter, who continues still to smoke, even though we have lots of conversations. And I thought, well, maybe I'll start smoking again then. How many think it's a good idea for Christians to smoke? How many think it's a bad idea for Christians to smoke? Raise your hands. Hmm. Bad idea for anyone to smoke. Yes. How many of you think it's okay for a man to come in church with his hat on? How many think it's not okay? How many don't know? Here's the truth that we're gonna talk about this morning, my dear friends. And that is the fact that we face things in people's lives and in our own lives that sometimes offend us. I have to tell you, I'm not going to pierce my ear because it will hurt but also because it may offend you. I'm not gonna light up a cigarette, because I think they stink, but more importantly because I think it will offend some of you. If I haven't got your attention, that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning. Those issues about which the Bible does not directly address on how we ought to deal with them. We look at Romans 14, and if you really study the book of Romans, throughout the book of Romans, one of the key words that continues to pop out consistently is the word accept. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. He begins this passage this morning, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment, and here's the key, without passing judgment, On disputable matters, without passing judgment on disputable matters. We just saw, we just talked about a few as we introduced it smoking and earrings and hats. Paul identifies two disputes here, or dispute here, when he says one man's face allows him to eat everything, but another man's faith, whose faith is weak, only eats vegetables. Paul says that the man who eats everything should not look down on the one who does not. He goes on to say, who are, are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand one day as a servant of Christ. Paul gives another example. One man considers, uh, one man considers to be one day to be sacred while others consider all days to be alike. He goes on to say, each man should be fully convinced of his own mind. He who regards one day as special does, for the, does so for the Lord, and he who eats meat, he eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. But on the other hand, he who abstains from meat, or make every day special, also does unto the Lord. There's a reason we ought to accept one another. For none of us lives to ourselves alone, and none of us dies to ourselves alone. If we live, we do live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. Paul says, you then, why do you judge your brother why do you look down on your brothers? For we will stand before the judgment seat, each and every one of us. Three things I thought about this week as I reread that passage and, and, and just asked God to show me some things. First of all, he said, first of all, I recognize that there are three kinds of conducts in our, in our message today. Three kinds of conducts. There's first of all some conduct of right and wrong. Paul gives us an example in our passage, the meat and the day issue. However, in modern times we face many disputable issues, or as I call them taboos, to do the right or the wrong. To do or not to do is the question that we often must ask ourselves. Is it right or is it wrong? Our passage of scripture showed us that Paul was teaching that there was a loving disagreement. This is where I'll be aged. Let me give you a list of things I have heard throughout my years as pastor that become disputable issues. Smoking. If you truly are a Christian, you shouldn't smoke. Dancing. Christians just don't dance. Someone said, can Baptists dance? Well, my observation is some can and some can't. (laughs) Card playing. Whoa, Christians don't play cards. Chewing tobacco, dipping snuff, that's a sin. Drinking a glass of wine or having a cold one on the back deck, that's a sin. Mixing ba- mixed bathing years ago, both boys and girls in the same swimming pool, that's a sin. Reading anything but the King James Version of the Bible is a sin. Shopping on Sunday, working on Sunday is a sin. Listening to secular music is a sin. Reading secular magazines is sinful. For women to wear makeup, for women to wear pants is wrong. For youth to play video games. For youth not to date before they're t- 21. Those are just a small example of the lists of things that are in our lives. And if you're prob- you've probably got a list that's different than mine, than mine and perhaps much longer. I heard about a preacher who one time preached a whole sermon on the sin of smoking cigarettes. There was a little lady on the third row, and every time he said something about smoking, what being a sin, she said, amen, brother, amen. When the service was over, she stood up, opened her purse, took out her tin of snuff, and put a little pinch of snuff between her cheek and gum. Now, just in case you're interested, snuff is simply ground tobacco. She goes to the back door where the preacher is and says, Preacher, that was a great sermon because I think it's a sin to smoke. And he said to her, Madam, do you have the audacity to stand here and tell me smoking is a sin while you dip snuff? How dare you? She said, that's right, preacher. It's a sin to burn anything that tastes this good. You might say this morning, Pastor Gary, are you saying that smoking and dipping snuff is okay? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's one of the things that the Bible doesn't address. There are some people who say you can't know right from wrong. Everything is gray. No, there is right from wrong. Remember, Paul said to the in Romans, wake up, put on the armor of light. There are some behavior you not, ought not to be involved yourself in orgies, drunkenness, selfishness, dissension, sexual immorality, there are things he said. There are certain things that are wrong in the Bible. It's wrong to tell a lie, according to the Bible. It's always wrong to commit adultery, according to the Bible. Homosexual activity is always wrong, according to the Bible. It's always wrong to murder, always wrong to steal. You can't get around it, in the Bible, there are some things that are right. It's always right to be faithful to your mate. It's always right to be honest. It's always right to be loving. It is always right to honor and respect your parents. Right or wrongs. But there are things we face in life that do not neatly fall into those first two categories. There are some things that we faced with some areas of conduct that the Bible really doesn't address. So there is a third kind of behavior that we've got to look at today. And it's the behavior called the matter of personal conviction. Charles Spurgeon, any of us who are long-term Christians will remember that name or know that name from history past, was the last century, he, was, he smoked cigars. And everybody in his church knew he smoked cigars. In fact, I've been to, in my trucking days, I went through Kentucky many times while I traveled And they grew tobacco there, and a number of Baptist churches, believe it or not, in Kentucky allow ashtrays in their fellowship hall because the pastor, the deacons, and everybody smokes, even in the church building, and they call themselves Christians. I'd really like to know what's going on in your head right now. It would be an interesting conversation. One evening in the Metropolitan of Tabernacle in London, England, Charles Spurgeon had invited a great American preacher to come in and speak. And the preacher spent the whole sermon preaching against smoking, not knowing that Charles Spurgeon smoked cigars. He preached away, and the people in the congregation just got quieter and quieter and quieter. After it was over, Charles Spurgeon stood up and, was, and in, a, in a way that only he could do, in a very loving and kind way, he said, let's open the Bibles to Romans 14. He used the passage we're talking about today to talk about smoking. He said, for some Christians, their conscience won't let them do it. He made that famous statement that those of us who has read any of his works, not, <coughs> this, not only do I smoke cigars, I smoke cigars to the glory of God. Ooh, really? I smoke cigars to the glory of God? I don't believe I could do that. But Charles Spurgeon believed he could do it. And Charles Spurgeon was a great Christian man, a powerful Christian leader used by God. All of these are different kinds of taboos. Pastor, you say, are there any guidelines then? Are there any whatsoever? Yes, there are some guidelines. And how you ought to judge conduct and behavior with those around us. The first question you have to ask yourself is this. Is this prohibited in the Bible? Is this prohibited in the Bible? If it does, that settles it. There has to be no question. But the question number two is, can I ask God to bless this? Can I ask God to bless this behavior? If you look down at verse six in our passage, even the one who eats meat can say, thank you, Lord, that I don't eat meat. But the one who does eat meat, he says, thank you, Lord, that I'm eating this meat. Can you ask God to bless it? The third guideline is, you, is for you to decide whether behavior is right or wrong, or is, would you like to be found doing this when Jesus comes back? Would you like to be found doing this when Jesus comes back? Now understand I'm speaking to believers in those three questions. Would you like to do Jesus to see you doing this when he comes back? Disputable issues. Disputable issues have divided the church for centuries. And disputable issues have been a hindrance for people coming to Christ because we make disputable issues biblical issues and it turns them off. I said you may not like this. Our Bible teaches us this morning in our passages two kinds of believers. Weak believers and strong believers. Verse two, accept him whose faith is weak. Another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. A weak Christian is someone who's willing to still live under a sense of legalism Let me suggest a couple of characteristics of a weak Christian who tends to demonstrate legalism. They have their own do's and don'ts list. God has a list of what's right and what's wrong, but often weak Christians are those who have added to the list and they have added the traditions of man and man's commandments to the word of God. Or they have disputable issues and they make those disputable issues commands of God. Here's a second characteristic of a weak Christian. Christian who lives under legalism, they often refrain from building a relationship with those who don't follow their lists. Let me read that again because I'm gonna conclude with something of that strength. The weaker Christian draws back from building a relationship with anyone who doesn't agree with their list. They believe I've got my list and if you don't follow my list, you are not right with God. Ray Steadman, a great Christian author, in one of his books said this about weak Christians. A weak Christian sees Christianity as a thing of rules and regulations. In his heart, he believes he can gain God's favor by doing certain things and abstaining from other things. Basically, he is still trying to earn a right relationship with God and has not yet accepted the way of grace. I believe that. Why do I believe that? Because had I been in this pulpit 15 years ago, I would have been that kind of Christian. I had my list of do's and don'ts. I had my list of disputable things that I often, when I would have conversations with unbelievers, try to convince them that my list was right. And as I look back now, I recognize I had a hard time justifying it in the scriptures. I couldn't go to my cor- concordance and look C and find cigarettes. It's a disputable issue. And I thank God that he has changed my, my approach. It doesn't mean I believe in smoking, folks. It doesn't mean I believe in earrings. But it's a disputable issue that I'm not gonna waste a lot of energy on that will turn people who are lost in darkness away from hearing the truth of Christ. And the truth is, Christ is, we accept one another as he accepted us, and we need to accept those disputable issues and not make an issue of them, because it will turn them off from hearing the gospel of Christ. It doesn't mean we agree with them. It means we do not make an issue of them. Let them grow in their faith. Let them grow in Christ and let Jesus begin to take things away from him that he doesn't want them to do. Let us not be the judge, our story says today. Let us not be the judge, for that alone is left to Christ. There's another kind of Christian, one who is weak, but there's also the Bible calls one who is strong. A good question might ask ourselves: was the Apostle Paul weak or strong? Romans 15 one gives the answer. Paul says, we who are strong, bear with the weak. So Paul was a strong Christian. Paul was a strong Christian. He said, it's okay to eat meat. He said, there's no, there's no one day more sacred than another. But if you want to believe that, that's okay. Paul wasn't trying to, to change that disputable issues. He said, if that's what you believe, that's okay. I'm trying to build my Christian character these days as a strong Christian by adopting two principles that I've decided to place in my life. I want to follow God's list and not my list. I want to follow God's list and not my list. Dr. Jesse Moody, not that great preacher of Chicago, but he was a Baptist preacher at First Church in, in, in uh, West Texas, And then he went to Palm and to Florida. Now he teaches at Southwestern Seminary. I heard him say one time, he was always such a traditional Christian as I was. He said he can remember saying to the congregation he pastored, maybe some of us can remember, remember these days, nobody will clap their hands in this church. Never, never, never. We will not allow a set of drums in this church, ever, ever, ever. And then one of his congregation came to him and said, Pastor, would you read Psalms 47 for me, please? 47 verse 1 says this, Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And Moody looked at this person and said, oh, oh, And he said, why not look at Psalm 63? I will lift up my hands unto the Lord. Oh. Then he said, there are two things off my list. There are two issues that a big eraser came along and took off my list. You see, we all have these lists. Can't have drums in a church. Don't let the platform look too commercial or entertaining and the list can go on and go on and go on. Sometimes we get more attracted to our list than we do to God's list. And it causes to be ineffective in reaching a world. I want to be extra careful, never to offend a weaker Christian. Romans 14, 20 says, all food is clean, but it is wrong for a man, but it is wrong for a man, to do anything that causes someone else to stumble. So he said, "Here's what I'll do: It's better not to eat meat or drink, or to do anything else that will cause my brother to stumble." My conclusion: Loving is more important than liberty. You know, I don't really see any problem walking down the hall of a church or into a sanctuary with a cap on. Did it look good, by the way? I'm learning to wear it the way the young people do now. I don't know why they put a peak on it. Can't keep the sun out of your eyes. See, I don't mind that. I don't mind seeing young people come in with a hat on. But I won't do it, should it cause someone to stumble. Next thing I see in this passage is one, we need to have essential, an essential attitude. There are three kinds of behaviors, two kinds of believers, and one essential attitude. Romans 14 clearly spells it out. Accept one another. It does not mean to tolerate one another. It means, hey, embrace and accept one another. Even those who disagree with some of these disputable matters that we have on our list. Philip Melanchthon was a great leader in the Protestant Reformation. He was famous for this observation. In essentials, there must be unity. In the non-essentials, there must be liberty. In all things, there must be charity and grace. Paul says to the Christians, to all of you Christians who know that you are strong and you've been set free from man's lists, you're living under grace. You've been set free by the truth. Don't flaunt your liberty. Don't force it on somebody else. Well, they're overeating meat, don't say, boy, is this Serling steak good. Too bad you can't eat it. If you do that, then you are not a strong Christian, you are a weak Christian. You all, you, we need to always be careful not to offend others. He's saying strong, to two strong Christians, settle down. And he's saying to weak Christians, is grow up. Quit imposing your list on somebody else. If it's okay, it's, it's okay if you've got that list, but don't impose it. Make sure it doesn't compromise in the Bible, though. Don't make someone else follow your list. Several years ago, a pastor went with a bunch of guys skiing at a men's retreat, and he and his friends skied to the bottom of the hill and went into the snack bar. Now, you can can age me there, because snack bar, they don't call snack bars anymore, but that was what we called them. They took off their skis and sat down at an outer table, and not too far from there was a man sitting there they didn't know. He had on a Promise Keepers hat. Can any of us remember what Promise Keepers was? Promise Keepers was a men's movement in the 80s and 90s, a Christian men's movement that encouraged men to be good husbands, good fathers, good employers, good employees, and it was a wonderful movement. And this pastor had said, boom. The first thing he thought was, Wow, a promise keeper. This is a believer. I'm gonna go over and sit with him and chat with him. And he sat down. And then when he sat down, he noticed that the man had a beer with his lunch. He wrote in his article: there was a time in his life he would have looked at his promise keeper and the uh, and the hat he was wearing and the beer and he would have said, buddy, one of them has to go. Either Jesus has to go, or the beer has to go. Either take off that hat, or throw away the beer. You know you can't have both. That man knew Jesus Christ, and he loved Jesus Christ, and as the pastor talked with him, he heard him tell him about how Jesus had changed his family, had changed his life, and how important church came to, was for him. When the pastor said, I am a pastor, he didn't go, "Oops," and pour his beer out. This pastor concluded, you know, you know, he was doing what he was doing with a clean conscience. He said, that was a changing moment for me the Lord tore my my list and began to tear things up. And he said, I'm not saying beer drinking drinking is what we should be doing, but he says I'm not gonna condemn somebody, a believer, for doing it. What are the essentials then, you ask? I ask myself then, what is it? Where is the line for me? as a pastor, where's the line as an evangelist? And here are the five things. Here are the five absolutes where I draw the line. One, the verbal inspiration. The word of God is inspired and true. And I will never move away from that truth. The second is the deity of Jesus Christ. I want to say, I can't have fellowship with somebody who says, no, Jesus wasn't God, he was just a man. I may be willing to talk to them, but I can never have fellowship with them. Thirdly, the the substitutionary atonement of Jesus, meaning that he died in my place. I can't accept somebody who says, no, Jesus' death was unplanned, he was a martyr, and that's all. Fourthly, the, fundamental, the fourth fundamental is the resurrection of Jesus. He really did come out of the grave. I can't accept somebody or have fellowship with them when they know that really did not happen. That is not true. And the fifth one, the little, literal return of Jesus. Those are the fine fundamental things that I build my faith on that I build my relationships on. Those are not, those five fundamental things are, are not something I do when I meet a stranger for the first time, but I will not have fellowship with anyone who does not have those five fun- fundamentals. Let me conclude, let me conclude. I know it's been a bit long and I apologize. No, I don't. Why this message? Why this message? I'll tell you why. The 21st century church has a problem. They have a front door and they have a back door. And people are flowing through from the front door to the back door. Let me use two words for you. The front door is opened when we have a spirit of welcome, when we welcome anybody to come into our midst. This church is known for that. This church, whenever I speak with people, they are known for that. But our church growth doesn't happen very much. All of us, I think, recognize there are people who come to our church and maybe eight or ten weeks they're not in our church anymore. Which means what? They've come in the front door and they've gone out the back door. A welcoming church has a large front door. A relationship church closes the back door. A relationship church closes the back door. Meaning that when they come in the front door and we see our list in their life, our disputable list in their life, which we have with good conscience, We see that in their life, so we welcome them. But we don't build a relationship with them. Because we see our disputable list in their lives. And if we're not going to build a relationship with them, they will wander out the back door. I don't know how strong we are as a relationship church. I believe we're a very strong, welcoming church. I told you some of you weren't going to like this. This is an uncomfortable message for me to bring because I have a long list. I have a long list. But God is telling me, put that list aside And build relationships with people. And let me be the judge. Father, I only ask one thing of you, gracious Lord. That we will become a relationship church, along with being a welcoming church. And Father, help us to understand which of those things in our life are disputable issues. And which of those things in our life are essential issues, are based on the word of God. And so, Father, take the message this morning, Holy Spirit, as you indwell us, and eradicate and erase some of the the untruth that might be there. But also, Holy Spirit, as you live in us, bring forth the power and the freedom of erasing our disputable issue lists so that we can truly be a relational church these things we ask in the gracious name of Jesus amen
0: how about we all stand again and sing our closing song